Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. You can choose not to have anything to do with me. The same way you can choose not to have anything to do with the internet. That's exactly what you want. You are a mole trying to crash Bitcoin. Farmer Craig, pumpkin man Craig, go back to your farm, your pumpkins and your tomatoes and, and grow a super farm. Oh, it's not about who he is. It's not about who he is. Well, that was fun, was it not? Good morning. It is 9.12 a.m., October the 16th, 2019, this is episode Bacardi 151 of Bitcoin and Pumpkin Man. Pumpkin Man. (laughs) Oh, okay, so that was a a clip from this, I don't know, this conference that everybody is up in arms about because Tone Vase did did not boycott it, I guess. And, oh... Kind of, you know, to truthfully, the whole thing is a freaking dumpster fire, man. Um, it's just, I'm not going to talk about it today other than, than to give you that clip because that was, I don't know, man. I'm not trying, I, I, I'm not sure what the woman was trying to do because that just came off as some of the stupidest. That was, I don't know, that was. That was just a special kind of stupid it's, train wreck worthy. Yes. But yeah, I got to We'll do a, a, another one for the actual train wreck. Um, <clears throat> other than that uh, little snippet, let's just let's just get right into the news. M- Marie Hewlett is writing for Cointelegraph. NASDAQ list AI powered crypto index for top 100 coins. This was yesterday. The world's second largest stock exchange, NASDAQ, has listed the AI-powered CIX100 index created by crypto data provider Crypto Index. The news was revealed in a press release shared with Cointelegraph on October the 15th. CIX100 is a crypto market benchmark that utilizes a neural network algorithm to analyze data for the top 100 shitcoins, taking into account over 200 factors. Reportedly designed to exclude coins with fake volumes and rankings, the, quote, human-free tool targets both industry newcomers and professional investors. According to the press release, the data is derived from the nine largest cryptocurrency exchanges globally and factors in the results of millions of trades alongside news releases and social media data. Only coins that have consistently made it to the top 200 for at least three consecutive months are included in the index, which is rebalanced monthly. Crypto index CIX100, which is already listed on Reuters, Bloomberg, and TradingView, has reportedly gained 
1,100% since its establishment in May of 2017. Its AI-based prediction reportedly performs with 82% daily accuracy. As reported, NASDAQ and CryptoCompare partnered this June to release a cryptocurrency pricing product targeted at institutional investors, which is based on CryptoCompare's aggregate index datasets. In February of 2019, NASDAQ started listing two cryptocurrency price indices from the United States blockchain and crypto market data firm Brave New Coin. CryptoCompare has also partnered with a major crypto derivatives platform, BitMEX, to join uh, to jointly construct a real-time crypto futures data set, which will be delivered to financial markets data provider Refinitiv. The summer, this summer, Sina Finance, a finance-focused website owned by China's major tech company Sinacorp, included a crypto index into its mobile app without making a formal public announcement on the edition. Okay, so yeah. I hate to break it to you guys, but we're going to be dealing with shitcoins forever because of crap like this. They keep, the institutions keep giving fuel to the dumpster fire that is the altcoin market. And this is another log that they've thrown onto that fire. So guys, be careful out there. Be really careful. Careful. Let's see what's going on in my hometown of Midland. We have, oh, let's see. This is Fortune Magazine. Uh, This is Jeff John Roberts writing October the 15th. Texas Bitcoin mining startup gets $50 million from Peter Thiel to steal China's crypto crown. I think that's a lot of hubris. And by the way, it's not a Texas Bitcoin mining startup. Fortune got that wrong. It's a San Francisco startup. It just happens to be going to mine this uh, stuff in in West Texas. Okay, so keep that in mind. It's not a Texas Bitcoin mining startup. When it comes to producing Bitcoin, China is the preeminent power in the world. The People's Republic boasts the largest mining companies and dominates the manufacture of chips and other equipment used to mine Bitcoin. A U.S. startup wants to change all that with a bold plan to make Texas the global hub of Bitcoin mining. On Tuesday, San Francisco-based Layer 1 announced it had raised $50 million from billionaire Peter Thiel and others to move forward with its plan, which includes running its own power substation and purchasing solar and wind energy produced on the plains of West Texas. According to co-founder Alex Legal, L-I. EGL Layer 1's facility will consist of dozens of acres that lie 150 miles west of Midland, Texas. <clears throat> That's my hometown. That's where I was born and grew up. Quote, literally in the middle of nowhere, end quote. Guys, they're kind of not lying about that one. Midland is out in the middle of freaking nowhere. <laughs> Continuing, and will rely on a proprietary new technology for cooling the chips used to mine Bitcoin. Bitcoin mining, which consumes large amounts of electricity, typically takes place in colder areas where it is easier to prevent equipment from overheating. Layer 1, however, believes its cooling technology will make Texas a viable location despite the heat. The state also offers additional benefits in the form of light regulation and cheap power. One Bitcoin is currently worth around 8300 Well, Okay, no, it dipped below seven uh, to uh, seven nine and is kind of holding there right now. So prices change rapidly. Well, off its all time of nearly 20,000. Guys, stop talking about that shit. That was an aberration and we all know it. But still much higher than 2016 when it traded as low as 300. 
Under Bitcoin's mining system, miners compete to win an award distributed every 10 minutes or so. Currently, the reward is 12.5 Bitcoins, a figure that will have to 6.25 next May. Legal says uh, Layer 1 aspires to be the biggest Bitcoin miner in the world by controlling all aspects of the process, from chip manufacturing to electricity production to cooling. In the longer term, the company plans to use its mining facilities as a base layer for a larger cryptocurrency enterprise that will include financial services. Layer 1 launched in 2018 with Legal then describing it as an activist fund for cryptocurrencies that would invest in protocols, including a privacy-focused project called Grin. At the time, the startup did not disclose mining aspirations and raised a modest $2.1 million from Thiel, Digital Currency Group, and the late investor Jeffrey Tarrant. From an ideological perspective, for Bitcoin to grow into its multi-trillion dollar potential, it needs a U.S. company to lead. This ideology resonates with Peter Thiel and our other investors, says Legal. Despite Layer 1's large ambitions, its backers, which also include Shasta Ventures and undisclosed wealthy cryptocurrency owners, are keeping a decidedly low profile for the new investment, which gives Layer 1 a valuation of $200 million U.S., Thiel and other investors declined to be interviewed for this story. I wonder why. Crypto mining in recent years has been ferociously competitive business, but Layer 1 believes changes in the industry have provided an opening to wrest market power from China. So there, there you go. There's a little bit more to the story, but it gets into other stuff. So Layer 1 setting their sights on West Texas is not a bad place to go. What is odd is that they're focused on solar and wind but they're in the middle of the Permian Basin, which is one of the largest and oldest oil patches and natural gas patches on the face of the planet. It seems, I don't know, there, there's either they've got their sights set on that, like in the future, and they better because natural gas is really cheap and plentiful in Texas, or at least in West Texas. And if they have chip cooling technology that will be able to make their equipment survive, what can only be described as hell on earth in the summertime. I am not shitting you guys. I grew up there. I lived there for like damn near 21 years, maybe 20, I think 22 years. Summers are brutal. I mean, brutal. They're brutal all the way up from, you know, Midland, Lubbock, Amarillo, West Texas is always brutal. The only place in West Texas that is not brutal is Alpine and McCamey and stuff like that. Or actually Alpine. McCamey can be brutal, but the reason Alpine is not is because its elevation is really high up. Amazingly enough, there's mountains in the middle of West Texas. It's it's bizarre. Beautiful place. It can totally get like, you know, at, at night, it can totally get into the 60s in the middle of summer. I've seen it happen. It's bizarre, but yet there it is. So West Texas on yet more people's radar for Bitcoin mining. U.S. Congressman says Facebook should add Bitcoin, not create Libra. This is Marie Juliet writing for Cointelegraph yesterday. The United States Representative Warren Davidson has said that Facebook adding Bitcoin to its Calibra wallet would be a way better idea than creating its new currency, Libra. In an interview for the noted Bitcoin podcast on October the 11th, the Republican said that part of the beauty of Facebook's unveiling its proposed Libra stablecoin is that it crystallized all of the problems 
that already exist on the social media platform today. Davidson argued that the congressional hearings devoted to Libra this July had compounded the intense pressure Facebook is already under, noting that a lot of the questions weren't even about Libra. He said that the social media titan's bid to launch a proprietary currency had served to intensify focus on many of the platform's existing operations, arguing that, quote, Facebook already filters content. Some people say with bias. Some people say it's great. They're protecting my safe space. So do we want filtered speech or free speech? Do we want filtered transactions or freedom, end quote? Podcast host Pierre Richard argued that the congressional hearings had nonetheless been an ideal vehicle through which observers, many of them hailing from the traditional financial sector, were able to come to a better understanding of Bitcoin through coming to realize the problems inherent to a centralized and private initiative such as Libra. <clears throat> Davidson agreed that this had been the effect on many he had spoken to, yet also noted that for those convinced of the need of central authorities as stewards of global finance, the hearings only cemented their antagonism toward distributed ledgers and decentralized cryptocurrencies and intensified their desire to crack down on the space more broadly. Libra as a means of payments could undoubtedly destabilize the status quo, Davidson said, pointing to the fluidity with which monolithic tech giants such as Facebook and Google almost begin to acquire quasi-sovereign properties, challenging governments government's authority. During the congressional hearings devoted to Libra this July, Representative Maxine Waters, Waters, chair of the United States House of Representatives Financial Services Committee, made the explicit connection between concerns raised during earlier Facebook con controversies and the platform's bid to launch a stablecoin. Waters had already requested that Facebook halt work on Libra in the middle of June, Soon after the project's unveiling, she contended that the tech giant had a demonstrated pattern of failing to keep consumer data private and that it had allowed malicious Russian state actors to purchase and target ads to purportedly influence the 2016 U.S. presidential elections. U.S. lawmakers have also pointedly asked Facebook how they could be expected to trust a firm whose collection, storage, and misuse of customer data had landed it in it landed it a five billion dollar penalty. So Warren gets it, okay? Warren Davidson, Representative Warren Davidson. I think he's like a rep from Ohio. I think that's his his state. He he actually gets it. I you know that's that's good news. That that this is good for Bitcoin. Okay, financial giant HSBC is planning to relaunch First Direct to attract younger customers and compete with digital challengers. This is from crowdfundinsider.com, and it's being written by Omar Faridi. HSBC, one of the world's largest banking and financial uh, service organizations, is planning to embrace new technologies and relaunch its, quote, First Direct brand in order to attract younger clients while competing with digital challengers. According to the Financial Times, the London-headquartered financial institution is considering options such as develop... Weird sentence, hold on. Financial institution is considering options such developing an in-app marketplace and artificial intelligence. That's a bad sentence, guys. I am very sorry about that. But let's continue. Artificial intelligence-based features, including automatic savings and various personalized offers. 
HSBC's management is targeting younger clients with new digital products. The bank will also allow customers with limited credit histories to open accounts so that they can get a chance to improve their credit rating. <laughs> Founded in 1989 as a branchless division of Midland Bank, First Direct's telephone-based customer service has maintained high satisfaction ratings. The company has around 1.5 million customers and claims to have been profitable since 1995. First Direct CEO Joseph Gordon stated, quote, We have a proud heritage of being the original challenger bank back in 1989. Now we're making a real digital pivot to tackle the environment as it is now, end quote. HSBC has participated in a $20 million funding round for UK-based fintech firm Bud. <laughs> the investment round also includes contributions from giant Wall Street investment bank Goldman Sachs, Gordon noted that Bud is among several fintech companies that HSBC is working with to launch new digital products. The bank will work on making changes and upgrades over the next year. New products and features will be introduced after they've passed the testing phase, HSBC said. HSBC said. The bank is also working on a project called Iceberg, which is a new type of digital banking service. HSBC's approach is somewhat similar to that of one of its main competitors, Royal Bank of Scotland, which is developing new standalone digital banks, including Bow for individual customers and Metal for business clients. Jeez. Oh, God. Okay, so why why do I even care about this? First Direct is like a brand. They're having to relaunch a brand because two things. They've jacked around and not and didn't get ahead of Bitcoin when they should have the year after it launched because nobody took the shit seriously. Now they're taking it seriously, but they have no tool set to be able to compete. So what do they do? They rebrand something or in this case, relaunch an old brand. So they're dusting off this whatever this thing is that has been around for apparently years that nobody really has heard about to compete directly in the, in the new environment. All that tells me is that the, the financial system, all right, let's, let's see. What do I say about this? Uh, yeah, here's what I said about this. Dusting off a failed project to piggyback onto Bitcoin is just sad and a sign of an industry desperately trying to shake off the leeches and parasites that have plagued it for centuries. What I had, what I was almost going to write there in that tweet, instead of what I, instead of what I just read you, was I was going to say something about how the industry was dying, and it dawned on me the financial industry is not dying; it's just changing, it's morphing or mutating or whatever the hell you want to call it. But the financial industry is not going to die; it can't. It, it's just it's in human nature to have some kind of industry handle finance just as the broad umbrella blanket term. So we're, what we're seeing here is that the, 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 tech, the, the whole sector seems to be poised to shake off the parasites, like I said, that have been plaguing it for centuries. So there you go. There's that one. Uh, let's see. SEC restarts clock on proposed Bitcoin and T-bills ETF. Okay, Nicholas Day is writing for Coindesk uh, yesterday. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is again soliciting comments on a proposed exchange-traded fund based around Bitcoin and Treasury bonds. According to a public filing published 
published on Tuesday, investment manager management firm Wilshire Phoenix and NYSE ARCA filed an amendment to their ETF proposal earlier this month to address issuance and redemption for the securities and the listing and or trading of the fund's shares. Coinbase Custody will act as a custodian for the Bitcoin held by the trust, according to the filing. Tuesday's notice says Coinbase will provide attestations confirming the amount of Bitcoin it holds within five business days of the trust monthly rebalancing, adding a detail not present in the original filing. The amended rule change proposal also notes that the CME and Intercontinental Exchange provide Bitcoin futures products in the U.S. rather than CME and CBOE. The latter company wound down its future products earlier this year. Later on, the filing seemingly addresses the SEC's concern with potential market manipulation in the cryptocurrency space. Quote, the sponsor notes that in connection with the commission's analysis of whether a market is inherently resistant to manipulation, the commission has in certain circumstances focused not on the market as a whole, but instead on the significant subset of the market that has a meaningful impact on the particular ETP or exchange traded product End quote, the filing says adding quote, for instance, orders approved approving listing applications of ETPs that invest in gold bullion focused on the spot and futures market, even though gold is traded on a number of different market segments. Focusing on the spot market is appropriate because the spot market is the market to which the particular ETP would look to determine its net asset value, end quote. The amendment filed on October the 4th replaces and supersedes the original filing in its entirety, Tuesday's notice said. The SEC first kicked off the comment period for Wilshire Phoenix proposal in June before announcing in late September that it was evaluating the proposal. According to the filing, members of the public must submit comments within 21 days of the notice's publication in the Federal Register, the SEC has 45 days after the filing publication in the register to make an initial decision, but can extend that time frame if it chooses to do so. And God, how many times have we seen that happen, right? Tuesday's filing follows the SEC's decision to reject a Bitcoin ETF proposal filed by Bitwise Asset Management, also working with NYSE ARCA. The regulator cited concerns about market manipulation and a lack of surveillance sharing agreement as an issue in its rejection. So th- they these things are just keep coming down the pipe. They they're at one point or another, an ETF is going to get approved because I'm getting the feeling that the SEC is probably tired of having to do this every day. That's what it seems like. Okay. Libra is a catalytic event for central banks says head of Sweden's Riks bank. This is Coindesk's William Foxley as writing as of yesterday, The Libra cryptocurrency payments project is shaking up central banking, according to the head of Sweden's central bank. Speaking on CNBC's Squawk Box Europe, Rick's bank governor, Stefan Ingves, says that Facebook-led project has been an incredibly important catalytic event, forcing central bankers to reconsider their primary product, which is money. Ingves, or sorry, Ingves, said the Ricks Bank, which is working toward piloting an e-krona in the near future, has had to reconsider its own development in light of private currency alternatives. The development of a new kind of currency is a near unprecedented event. No, it's not. (laughs) Happening only once every few centuries, he added, quote, Part of my job is to produce a good or service called the Swedish krona, which is convenient to use for Swedish citizens. And if I'm good at that in a technical sense, then I don't have a problem. 
<laughs> but if I were to start issuing 20 kilo copper coins the way we did in 1668, then we would soon be out of business, Ingves told CNBC. Ingves or Ingves, however you pronounce it, cautioned though that most private sector money initiatives have collapsed sooner or later. The Libra Association gathered in Geneva, Switzerland Monday to sign a formal charter among its now 21 initial members. Last week, multiple money providers such as Visa and MasterCard dropped out of the project after pressure from U.S. lawmakers. So there you go. Uh, even the guy, you know, uh, Sweden's central bank is like they're, they're seeing the writing on the wall. Everybody sees the writing on the wall. This is good for Bitcoin. Grayscale. Uh, Q3 saw record high inflows, growing institutional interest. Anna Alexandri is writing for Cointelegraph. Uh, when was this? Yesterday. Digital asset management giant Grayscale registered over $254 million U.S. in total investment into its products in the third quarter of 2019. In its digital asset investment report, Grayscale provided details on the inflows into its products for the period from July 1st, 2019 through September 30th, 2019. The third quarter of the year marked the highest demand for the company's offering since its establishment, resulting in $254.9 million of inflows. The figure shows a threefold quarter on quarter increase from 84.8 million last quarter. The quarterly inflows into Grayscale Bitcoin Trust amounted to 171.1 million, wherein July was the month with the highest level of inflows during Q3. As reported in July, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust outperformed indices in the first half of 2019, up almost 300% on the year at the time. Institutional investors were the major contributors to the company's products, both in Q3 and year-to-date, with 84% and 83% respectively. Worth noting, total investment into the Grayscale products from January 1, 2019, through September 30th, 2019, amounted to $382.3 million, while the figure over the past 12 months is $412.3 million. Previously, Grayscale's Director of Sales and Business Development, Rehina Sharif Askari, stated that institutional investors are constantly piling into the space in 2019. He said, quote, you know, it's really funny. I get asked this a lot. There's this rhetoric in the media about when are institutional investors going to get involved? When are they going to start investing? And it's so funny because it's ironic. We see institutional investors invest with us all the time, and that's been the case for a long time now, end quote. On October the 14th, Grayscale Investments was approved by the United States Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, or FINRA, to publicly quote its Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund on an over-the-counter markets. This purportedly enables the first publicly quoted security based on a selection of digital currencies in the U.S. In August, Cointelegraph recorded, reported that Grayscale was going to move almost $3 billion of its digital currency holdings to American major crypto wallet provider in exchange Coinbase. Uh, Coinbase custody would then serve as custodian of the underlying asset for the company's products. And it's shit like that that makes it damn certain that Coinbase, one of the crappiest Bitcoin companies ever, isn't going anywhere. Again, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but coin delete Coinbase, it's not going to work. Because Barry Silbert is going to be, you know, is buddy-buddy with all these guys and moving $3 billion into Coinbase custody pretty much ensures that Coinbase isn't going anywhere. So... So I guess it's one of those things where it's like, if you just can't stand them, eh, then just do business with somebody else. 
that's why that's why I'm using Square personally. I I, I haven't done Dick with Coinbase in so long. I can't. I really can't even remember. I'd have to actually get into my Coinbase account and see exactly when my last transaction with them was. But I can guarantee you it's been like three years. Okay, here we go. Bank of England Governor Carney defends Facebook's Libra stablecoin. All right, again, writing on the wall. Adrian Zmunsky is writing for Cointelegraph yesterday. Canadian news outlet The Star reported Carney's remarks on October the 15th, noting that he highlighted the shortcomings of the current traditional financial system. Because of the inefficiency of the payments, Carey thinks that firms such as Facebook should be involved in projects like Libra. More precisely, he reportedly criticized the high cost of moving money, saying that they penalize small businesses and can cost firms as much as 200 basis points per transaction, besides being processed too slowly. According to the report, he said, quote, That's not good enough in this day and age. Those payments should be instantaneous. It should be the same as us exchanging a banknote online. It should be virtually costless, and it should be 100% resilient. Yeah, we have that. It's called Bitcoin. Okay, okay, so it's not instant, but... It, it's 100% resilient. I'll be, oh, whatever. Carney admits that the problem can be solved in multiple ways and notes that the challenge, quote, is to bring online payments and other payments up to the standard that is found in a number of major emerging economies and a few advanced economies, end quote. Still, he also warned companies wishing to, wishing to try tackling this problem, noting that developments in this space will be deeply scrutinized by authorities. He said, quote, in terms of how this will proceed or not going forward, this will not be like social media. This will be not be a case where something gets up and starts running and the system tries to work out after the fact how it's regulated. It's either going to be regulated properly, overseen properly, or it's not going to happen. <laughs> As Cointelegraph reported in the second half of August, Cardi suggested a transformation of the global financial system by replacing the United States dollar with a digital currency similar to Facebook's Libra. Carney does not get it. He's almost, he's close. Yeah, close. But that's that statement. Oh my God. It's either going to be regulated properly, overseen properly, or it's not going to happen. And he was talking about these, these things that are coming up like, like Libra or whatever are, you know, it's not just going to just happen. And by God, it will be, I'm sorry. There's this there's this thing called Bitcoin out there and it did everything you said that wasn't going to happen. So you're, you're 10 years late. You're, you're almost there, Carney. You're almost there. Not quite enough. Libra, I still think is, I don't know. Lots of people think it's good for Bitcoin. I don't know. I I, I literally don't give a shit because I'm not sure if it's going to happen. And even if it did, I'm not all that certain that, the people that are interested in Facebook or who's left that are interested in Facebook. I, I don't know, man. seems like a long shot. Bitcoin whales move nearly $2 billion for next to nothing. John Buck's writing for bncrypto.com. The ability to move large sums of money in Bitcoin are remark- at remarkably low cost continue to prove itself true. Often referred to as whales, massive BTC transactions have been recently completed with fees that are far less than legacy banking. The transactions have been garnering a great deal of attention on Twitter. So there, here's a, yeah, okay, there, there's a couple of tweets that they put up here, one from Rhythm Trader. And if you're not 
following at Rhythm Trader on uh, on Twitter, I would reconsider. Rhythm Trader has some really good content, and I'm I'm constantly, all you know, I'm I'm always kind of blown away at how well whoever is doing that account, how well they can string together words. It's almost like sometimes it's almost like poetry. It's kind of beautiful. Anyway, at Rhythm Trader, get on it. Continuing, the transaction fees were remarkable, even by cryptocurrency standards. The first transaction was for 107,000 BTC, or approximately 900 million. The fee of 0.02 BTC, or $166, shows just how simple the digital payment system is designed to be. The second transaction of similar value had an even lower fee. The whale moved 112,000 BTC for a mere $3.89. Yeah, try doing that with a legacy bank, guys. Each transaction would have cost far more with normal banking methods. International SWIFT fees are fixed, but the value of money being transferred would require a substantial number of transactions. Additionally, a transfer of this magnitude would take a number of days to complete. Both of these issues, cost and speed, are elegantly dealt with on the Bitcoin network. Offering such international financial freedom is the, is the very concept Satoshi Nakamoto envisioned when designing it. The legacy banking system, uh, sorry, the legacy banking world, continues to decry banking as a non-solution. Warren Buffett, for example, recently stated that Bitcoin has no unique or redeeming value and said that it would be gone sooner rather than later. Too late. It's already 11 years old or 10, whatever. However, digital trustless systems are creating methods of transferring wealth for lower costs and at higher speeds, while the dinosaur system that exists in the current banking industry have served their generation, the movement to Bitcoin is underway. Just as the previous generations could not have conceived of internet banking, Bitcoin represents a sea change in the way the world thinks of monetary value and how that value is transacted among users. Not bad. Here's my thing about that. If I had 100,000 BTC, I, I don't know what would happen to my heart and my entire circulatory system to push that send on that transaction. How absolutely terrified would you be that you got something wrong? It, it still, I mean, I'm sending, like if I send like anything, I get nervous as hell and I'm double check. I mean, I am double checking, triple checking, quadruple checking addresses. I'm spot checking sections of the address that I'm sending to and make, you know, like, like just look at the center and pick three, you know, three letters or, you know, three uh, characters and compare it to where I think I am sending it. I do that like eight or nine times, like at the very, you know, very end, the very beginning, three times in the middle. And then like, like a couple of more times just to be sure. I can't imagine pushing the button on a hundred thousand BTC send. God, can you? Whatever. Bitcoin's 18 millionth coin will be mined this week. This is Shilpa Lama writing 15 hours ago for beincrypto.com. By the end of the week, 
The net volume of Bitcoin tokens available for mining will further shrink to only 3 million. That's after the 18 millionth token enters circulation in just about three days from now, marking an important milestone for the asset months before the next halving event. It took the Bitcoin network just over 10 years to exhaust 85.7% of the total supply, which is basically the metaphorical blink of an eye when compared to the 120 more, 120 more years it will take before all 200 or sorry, 200, 21 million units of the cryptocurrency are mined. With this new milestone approaching fast, many in the broader community are wondering what the future holds for the world's first and most popular cryptocurrency. Will mining difficulty become too hard and rewards too low for miners to maintain committed to the cause? Of course, there's no easy way to answer that. But at the same time, there's also no doubt that the fact that the network hash rate has been consistently on the rise and mining is becoming increasingly more competitive. Since hitting the all-time high figure of 108 million terahashes per second earlier on September the 26th, as BN Crypto had previously reported on, the network hash rate has largely remained north of 100 million terahashes, barring temporary dips every now and then. That's a gain of over 150% as compared to January 1st, 2019, when the corresponding figure stood at just under 42 million terahashes per second. I don't know why they're not using exahashes. It's just a whole mountain, 42 million terahashes or 42 exahashes. I'm going with exahashes. A higher hash rate indicates rising activity and processing power on the Bitcoin network. As for the root cause behind the spike, it's hard to pinpoint any one particular reason. But judging by market dynamics and various other factors at play, it is possible that the spike in network activity is partly due to the arrival of next generation mining rigs. As reported by BN Crypto last week, mining rig manufacturers are rolling out increasingly more sophisticated and powerful hardware in anticipation of the next Bitcoin halving event. Due sometime around May 2020, the forthcoming halving will see mining rewards going down 50% from its current rate of 12.5 BTC per block. This essentially means that mining will be way more competitive as compared to the past, leaving miners with weaker and older rigs no choice but to call it quits. There's also the chance that the government could regulate Bitcoin miners as well. Which government? They'd all have to like link arms and sing frickin' kumbaya for that shit to happen, y'all. And I don't see that actually happening. I, I, I see like rogue states saying, well, you don't like us anyway. We're not going to throw in with your ass. Mining is welcome in Iran or mining is welcome in, I don't know, find some third world shithole that's always at war. I, it, yeah, that kumbaya moment for the United, for the world governments to ban Bitcoin is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Continuing, skeptics, especially those critical of -of proof-of-work consensus mechanisms, argue that a breaking point is inevitable and the last Bitcoin will never be mined because every single miner on the network will quit by then. (laughs) And here they've linked to a Rhythm uh, rhythm Trader, as I was telling you earlier, uh, tweet. Let's say uh, this was on October the 14th. Rhythm Trader tweeted out the 18 millionth coin will be mined this week. It will take another approximately 120 years to mine the remaining 14.3% of the total supply or 3 million Bitcoin. Miners competing for their Bitcoin reward also have also never been higher with hash rate at an all time high. Well, Idea Nakamoto decides to weigh in on this and says, the proof of work will not be that sustainable. Miners will turn to mine altcoins for more reasonable cost and reward. Finally, POW cryptos will be more and more centralized and fading down. Proof of stake is the future. That is the evolution. Idea Nakamoto, you can go suck it. Because 
Proof of stake is a terrible, terrible way to go about this shit. It's going to lead to the same place that Bitcoin is trying to get us out of. That's all that it does. Continuing. But it's worth remembering that sometimes these concerns can be a little exaggerated, more so when a halving event is lurking by. Similar speculations were rife during the previous halving event in 2016 as well. However, these concerns were eventually proved completely out of place, with the network hash rate going stronger than ever post-halving. However, this is also true that Bitcoin must show at least some sustainable bullish trend in the months following the halving of 2020 to keep mining somewhat profitable even for the smaller miners. That being said, a tipping point any time in the foreseeable future looks outright impossible. It's anybody's guess, guys, but still 18 millionth coin to be mined this week. That's, that's, I didn't even, I really didn't even think that that, yeah, I it just, the, the whole thing caught me by surprise is what I'm trying to say. Um, let's see. I think we're like coming to the end here. Oh, 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 I love this one. The backpedaling, the spin machine for Libra is is in full freaking force. Anton Lucian writing also for BNCrypto.com, quote, Visa and MasterCard could have slowed us down, end quote, claims Libra's managing director. Despite the bad publicity over Visa and MasterCard leaving Facebook's cryptocurrency project, the newly elected managing director and COO of Libra, Bertrand Perez, said that it won't slow us down and it won't slow down its development. Facebook's Libra was hit with some bad PR recently over the departure of two major sponsors of Libra Project, Visa and MasterCard. Don't forget PayPal. PayPal bailed too. However, this has apparently not deterred Facebook's cryptocurrency plans. Bertrand Perez, the COO and managing director of Libra, told French magazine Capital recently that it is better that they did it now than later. Oh, God. Perez did not mince words in expressing the utmost confidence in the Libra project recently. The COO stated that the existing 21 official members have only been further emboldened by the departure of MasterCard, Visa, and others. As B and Crypto previously reported, eBay, MasterCard, Visa, and others have officially withdrawn from the Libra project. However, as Perez makes clear, they left due to regulatory uncertainty. They did not question the long-term viability of the Libra project. Overall, Perez says that they won't be missed. He admits that they are big names in the payment world, but that they are largely involved in payment systems that are 50 years old. He also says that Libra is preparing to roll out new memberships shortly. Oh, God. Around 1,600 companies have expressed interest in joining. The criteria are, however, still very strict. <clears throat> there will only be 100 members and companies. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. There will only be 100 members and companies, and they need to match certain criteria, such as having coverage of over 20 million people and must most possess a significant geographic market. Perez says he is certain that the numbers in Libra's ranks will grow by the end of the year. Libra was expected to launch mid-2020, but Perez admitted that this might be further postponed. Quote, I think we are not a few quarters away, he told Capital, but a shift of the date will not be a drama for anyone and especially not for us. Ultimately, Perez said that Libra will launch when there are no doubts regarding its compliance with existing regulations. That, he admits, might take more time than anticipated. Yeah, good luck, guys. Good freaking luck. Um, yeah, let uh, the last thing I was going to read was a New York Post uh, article, but I think I think we can get get the gist of it by the uh, uh, headline. J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon warns there's a recession ahead. 
Oh, oh, well, oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, but just buy Bitcoin. That's going to do it for your morning roundup. Vital Statistics is brought to you by BitInfo Charts, mempool.space, and 1ML. Bitcoin at 7,983. It looks like that is the, yep, that's the high. Let's see where the low is. Looks like we got a low chilling out over there at Coinbase Pro for 7,946. 319, uh, let's call it 320 million transactions have been made over the last 24 hours with about 13,300 averaging per hour. We have almost a million Bitcoins being sent. That's what I normally want to see. We have 923,000 BTC sent over that 24-hour period with about 38,500 BTC being sent per hour on average. Average transaction value is 2.89 BTC. And the median transaction value is 0.026 or about 206 bucks. Block time is high, 10 minutes and 40 seconds. We have 0.2 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 26.75 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. A hash rate has increased in the last 24 hours by about 7.5%. We are now at 94.9 exahashes per second. The last commit to the GitHub repository for Bitcoin is to sometime this morning. Cool. Ethereum is at 173. Bcash is at 216. Litecoin is at 52. BSV is at 86. Ethereum Classic is at 4.5. And Dogecoin has got a pump, man. $0.0025 dollars. And at, yeah, at 24,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, it is 2,000 transactions ahead of Litecoin in the same period. So let's check on the mempool. Looks like we have a light mempool. Uh, we do have full blocks, which is good. I, I saw a, a block about half full when I was setting up the show, but everything's been cleared off my board. I'm looking at Everything is over one megabyte, but we are only three blocks deep into the mempool with 5,700. And again, as I was saying on the show yesterday, the whole thing, with it's like we never can win. If the blocks aren't full, Bitcoin is failing. If the blocks are too full and fees are high, Bitcoin's failing. It can't get a break. Everybody's, everybody's a critic on one side of the aisle or the other. One ML shows that we have 10,172 lightning nodes, uh, although all the numbers are down. The new nodes over the last 24 hours are, are down 25%. We only have 10 new nodes, and the number of new channels is down by about 20%. We only have 121 new channels made in the last 24 hours, and that's going to do it for Vitals. I do believe that this is the first time that I've ever played Stevie Ray Vaughan on the show, which is kind of stupid. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan, one of my very favorite guitar players uh, and songwriters and, and, and singers. But this one, however, he did not write. Stevie Wonder wrote this song. This is Superstition, but God, the way that Stevie Ray Vaughan busts this son of a bitch out is amazing. And it also happens to be the song... One of the first songs that I heard from Stevie Ray Vaughan that captured me when I was like a teenager or something like that. Um, 
it was on either his first or second album. And I, I heard it for the first time and I was completely blown away and it never ceases to blow me away. So here it is.
I lied. I'm going to have to talk about that stupid conference for the daily train wreck. It's because it's bad. It's, it, it's, it's bad. Okay. So the conference in question, the real controversy coming out of that, you know, as you heard in the, in the opening uh, part of the show, that woman was talking behind Tone Vase. Tone Vase was at the conference and Craig Wright was on stage. Tone Vase was in the audience and him and a few people in the audience were just uh, toasting the living crap out of the fraudster. Um, and, and of course, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, but there was a couple of pictures that came out of Tone Vase with Craig Wright. One was Tone Vase showing a face of absolute contempt and disgust. But then there was another picture that came out that shows Tone in a, in an embrace with I don't I can't remember the guy's name. He looks like Joseph Lubin, but it's not. Um, Rory corrected me as, and told me who the the person was, but I, I can't, the name escapes me. He was telling me about it last night. The The problem is, is that it looks like Tone's having a really good time in between this Joseph Lubin lookalike, who is, Rory said he was an Australian fraud, and in between him, Tone is in between him and Craig Wright, and they all look like they're having a great time. So it's, oh God, it's, people are lambasting Tone, and um, other people are defending him, but for the train wreck itself, it's this, um, it's this particular tweet from at Bitcoin SV. It says, and it has four pictures. It shows tone having a good time with, you know, in between the two fraudsters. It also shows a picture of tone from a long time ago with the fraudster Craig Wright in a bar. And then finally it shows you know, him actually with that uh, look of contempt and disgust on his face. But the text is some pictures of Tone Vase realizing BSV is the real Bitcoin. All right, so why do I even think this is terribly important? Well, Tone's kind of fight fight has fought back on Twitter and said something about how that picture, the picture of him supposedly having looking like he's having a good time in between two fraudsters, is that he was on the way somewhere outside and there was a bunch of TMZ cameras hanging around and this fraudster guy just basically just pulled him into this picture. Okay, let's say that that's true. I don't know. I wasn't there. I, I'm not going to say that Tone's lying. I don't know Tone. I've never met the man myself. I have no clue. But let's say uh, that he's absolutely 100% telling the truth. And then this BSV tweet comes out. So what am I saying about this BSV tweet in these pictures? The frauds at BSV torch yet another reputation. Tone has has sustained some substantial damage to his reputation with Bitcoiners because of this shit. So let's say what he said was absolutely 100% true. It still doesn't matter because reputations in this space are so freaking flammable that you can lose your reputation 100% and not have even incurred incurred the problem yourself. I can see, I can... Like I said, I can see Tone being correct that he was just going somewhere and this asshole pulled him into a picture and the fact that he's smiling, maybe maybe he's uncomfortable. 
like I said, I don't know if he's lying or not. I'm just, I'm giving Tone the benefit of the doubt, man. He's been in the space for a long time. He's been a really good Bitcoiner for a long time. I, just, I don't want to see a Kevin Pham 2.0 because it was so, watching Pham flame out was so cringeworthy. I don't want to see it happen to Tone. But man, it's so easy to lose your reputation in this space because just somebody, if some if he's right and he got pulled into this picture, these pictures were taken, they're going to be circulated. Tone has sustained, sustained substantial damage to his reputation through no fault of his own, except for the following. He went to the conference in the first place when he knew Scam- Scammer Craig was going to be there. And he sat on the stage with Scammer Craig. You got hosed, Tone. I'm sorry, dude. You got hosed. I still believe that you're a good Bitcoiner. Please don't turn into Kevin Pham 2.0. There's your smoldering pile in the corner. After that, we're going to need a joke. And thankfully, we have Dad Says Jokes with this one. It's a five-minute walk from my house to the pub. It's a 35-minute walk from the pub to my house. The difference is staggering. Get it? Now, hopefully that soothes some of the nerves of this whole this whole conference affair over. Again, I can't iterate enough. I talk about it all the time, but I've never seen a space where reputations are, are as flammable as they are in the Bitcoin space. It, you've got to be careful with this shit. And that's what, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the blame still, no matter what happened, the blame still, you know, lays solely at Tone's feet because he went to the conference knowingly to sit on stage with a scammer. That's the only problem. And if it had just remained that it would, it would have been fine. But the fact that he got in these, that he's in these pictures that came out, is doing damage to his reputation. It just is. Hopefully, he'll he'll be able to conduct some serious damage control, or people will forget about it, and he'll go on being a good a good uh, uh, Bitcoiner as he has been for for years. He really has been a very good Bitcoiner for a long time, a lot longer than I have been in the space. In fact, Tone was one of the people one of the people that I was lucky enough to get a hold of that was telling me why it is that only Bitcoin matters. Okay. So keep that in mind as this whole thing, you know, kind of hopefully it just dies, but it's still, still, it proves a point. Reputation, your reputation in the space is so frail and so flammable that somebody else can cause you a great amount of harm by doing something. You don't have to do a damn thing in this space. You can you can have somebody else completely destroy your reputation by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So again, be careful with your reputation because ultimately it's all you have. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and and I'm your host David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon.